This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of Wealth Ability. So we are in a healthcare crisis right now. We are also in a wealth care crisis. And what most people don't understand is that the same principles that provide for great health also provide a mechanism for building great wealth. And today we have the expert on this topic. Absolutely, in all the world, we have the expert, Dr. Radha Gopalan. And Radha, um, Radha is a good friend of mine. He's, uh, he's taken personal uh, care of me as a physician. And um, Radha, just so great to have you on this call. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Tom. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to share some of the information with you and your viewers. I appreciate that. So. Tell us a, a little bit about, uh, about you, Radha, because you have a, a really an amazingly diverse background. And uh, I, I would just love the listeners to get an idea of just what kind of background you've got, because it is, it is truly unique. Thank you. I'll be very brief. I was born and bred uh, at my young age in Sri Lanka and was exposed to some of the cultural, uh, religious uh, aspects of it, as well as the health and uh, lifestyle of being healthy. From there, I moved on to England, uh, lived in London for about five years, spent a total of five years in London, looked at the uh, European uh, way of uh, health and uh, the principles. From there, I moved on to the Caribbean, um, lived in Grenada for about a uh, cumulative time period of about two years. Uh, from there, I came to the United States. Um, this is all pursuing my Western medical aspect. When I was in London, I spent about three years uh, in uh, London itself, working as an acupuncturist. Uh, in my early stages of medical school in Sri Lanka, I learned acupuncture. So collectively, um, some of those experiences and, and, and pointers and depth that I will be discussing today is drawn out of Eastern uh, philosophies and principles of health. And, uh, and obviously, I'm a Western medical practitioner. I am a heart transplant cardiologist in one of the university uh, institutions in Phoenix, Arizona. So uh, it's interesting to mix and uh, you know, compare and contrast both of these aspects of health and then obviously extending that to why uh, these principles and thought process is going to, to serve as the same principles to build wealth. No, I appreciate that, Rada. So, so Rada, your book is Second Opinion, and um, this is a great book. It's uh, I, you know, I've I've read it, and it is, and and I've been fortunate because Rada and I both hang out with Robert Kiyosaki every Friday, and so we're, you know, we we get. I, I'm very privileged to hang out with Rada, and I've heard a, a lot of this in seminars and so forth from you, Rada. What I what I'd like to do is. I'd like to actually walk through, there are, you, you go through several principles and types of disease, okay, and you go to each different organ and types of disease and what the emotional 
kind of state is in order for that disease to take hold. Can you just kind of give us a little background then let's just walk through one by one because what I want to do is what I noticed as I was reading your book is that all of these areas as you talk about this emotional intelligence for you know health and what, and what it takes they all have an impact um, on on building wealth and which is my expertise and so I, I if you would just give us a kind of a broad overview and then let's get into one by one you know maybe you know starting with things like cancer and heart disease etc yeah absolutely so it's very interesting it, the the uh, the premise here is um, the, the second opinion in the book is about being. So it's based on the being, doing, and then having principle, be, do, have principle. Uh, the entire book is devoted to who you are being is what's going to drive who you become and how successful you are, whether it's the world of health or wealth. Um, so I obviously the book dwells on uh, different diseases and different uh, beings and how that directs the path of the health of an individual, um, the same can be drawn, equally drawn on the wealth side. So it's about being rather than doing. Um, and then obviously your being drives doing. It's a very interesting interaction time between being and doing. In order to be, you actually have to do things. And in order to do, you have to be a certain type of person. So it, it is not mutually exclusive. It's actually inclusive, and they both have to be equally paid attention to. But at the end of the day, what wins is how you are being. And I think I can see from your viewer's perspective how they are being, and I'm sure you have more knowledge on this, how they are being is going to what determine ultimately how successful you are in the wealth space. For, for sure. So what I've, what I've learned over the last 20 years, uh, spending time with uh, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, and you and you know all the other advisors and everybody else around is that uh, building wealth is as much about is is a very personal is very much about personal development. It's very much about who you are and what and your capacity for building wealth. It's it's not about you can't do it. It's like context and content, right? So context being you know, the glass and content being what goes in the glass. Well, you can't fill the glass unless the glass has a solid foundation, unless it, you know, if it has cracks, et cetera, then you're not going to be successful. And you've got to make sure you've got a big enough glass. So what we're talking about today is a lot of the context. We, we talk about content all the time on this show and it's very practical. But what I find in your book is that this is actually very practical um, from a standpoint of personal development when it comes to building wealth. I mean, we're in this healthcare crisis right now. Obviously, a lot of people, um, not just, not only do they have healthcare issues, but you know, a lot of people out of work, a lot of people with less work, a lot of businesses shut down from a, from a wealth standpoint and completely out of their control. And so what we're talking about is ways to actually bring control back into your life during a pandemic. And, and to me, that's a little piece of magic, Rada, that you bring. So if we can, let, let, let's start with, with the one that always comes to my mind is, is let's start with cancer. But you, you talk about how you've got to have this genetic predisposition first, right? And then, yep. and then there's got to be an emotional reception. You've got to be receptive to the, the illness. Is, am I saying that right? Um, yes, and I think uh, rather than reception, 
the emotional component of that uh, sort of weakens your predisposition further and make it easy for the disease to manifest. So whether the disease will manifest or not depends on your uh, most of your emotional component and how deep and how strong that emotional component is within you. For example, if you look at it, so the entire premise, Tom, is the fact that, I mean, look, we live in a world that is surrounded by a lot of triggers, a lot of stresses, and you can control that. Um, and then, so it's like, uh, it's like if, you're, if you're on a sailboat and you're in the ocean, when that becomes turbulent, do you really want to control the ocean or you want to control the sail? Uh, the first and foremost, your success depends on controlling the sale. And that's the way I look at health. And I'm sure that that's the way that you, you look at wealth. And the, the, your glass analogy is controlling the sale. Once you control the sale, everything else seems much easier to go. So in that respect, if you look at our in, internal emotions, that plays out 24-7, with the exception of when you sleep. It is always in us, and you know, as you know, Blair Singer would say, the little voice, and I call it internal dialogue, and some people, and it's widely known as internal monologue. I disagree with the monologue part of it, but it is an internal dialogue. But um, you know, we can argue about the terminology, but at the end of the day, it's what you tell yourself, right. uh, which is going to determine how uh, successful or how failure you are going to become. So cancer, as you brought it up, uh, when we looked at patients who came for uh, transplants of different organs, and including bone marrow transplant and cancer, when you interview them, an, an interesting pattern emerged. And that pattern is all of them have a sense of, I am not worthy. And for somewhere along the line in their life, whether it is childhood, early childhood, teenage, early adulthood, or even you know sometimes seniors, they have been made to feel that they are not worthy of living. Now that nidus, internal dialogue, if they did not get rid of it by either doing emotional cleansing by means of counseling or processing or something else, if they did not face that, it sits like a seed at the depth of their mind and undermines their longevity by leading to uh, diseases that prematurely end your life. And in cancer, we felt looking at the patients, that was the, I'm not worthy. Now, I'm sure you can draw a very good parallel with regard to I'm not worthy of uh, worthy in the space of wealth. Well, for, for sure. And thank you for that, Radha. So, and I, I actually, <laughs> I've learned this in my own life, okay? So I, if you think about your life and you think about where you are financially and you want to get higher financially, we almost all have a glass ceiling. Okay. Yeah. But it's a ceiling we set on ourselves. And I listening to you and then what I've observed in my own life, I think that glass ceiling we set by our being worthy. Are we worthy to have to be, are we worthy to be wealthy? Are we, or are we, it, for example, I found myself a couple of times and uh, only in the last few years um, through a lot of, like you said, you know, processing and counseling and so forth and, and really recognizing this in myself, have I been able to break through this barrier? And what happened was, is I would do really well and then I would basically give all the money away, <laughs> not on purpose, but you know, it, but the reality is, is I would go back to where I was. 
or just a little bit better than where I was. And I kept building, coming down, building, coming down. I'm going, and, and I kept asking myself, why couldn't I get through that barrier? And what I, what I finally came down, what I finally realized was there's a, that there's definitely this worthiness. Uh, am I worthy? Is it okay to be rich? There's, there's a lot of dialogue right now that being rich is bad. And I think that's a horrible, horrible dialogue. Okay. Uh, being poor is bad. Being rich is not bad. If everybody were rich, we would not be having this dialogue. Okay. So this is not a dialogue about the rich being rich. It's a dialogue about the poor being poor. And so what, what, what our mission is at WealthAbility is to give people control over their ability to create wealth. Well, part of that control comes internally, right? I mean, part of that control is learning how to, how to, how to get past that, in, in this case, a worthiness issue, but we're going to go into some of these other um, illnesses that also have corollaries from a wealth standpoint. But I think that worthiness is a big one. That's why I wanted to start with that one, uh, Rada, is because for myself, that's been a major issue. And once I got past that, it's just had a huge impact. And what I have to keep in mind is, is that it's always there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're one day you feel unworthy and the next day you feel worthy. I mean, this is something, this is a constant process we work on. I, I know that you do a lot of meditation, for example, in yoga. Um, my wife, you, you know very well, Luann, she does a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga. Um, people will walk into a room with Luann and they'll go, I want to be like her. I mean, they just, and you have that same energy, Rod, I know. And, and that's really where, okay, can we, can we have that peace so that we're not feeling like, wow, we, we, we can't have this. It, it's, we're not worthy of this. We're not worthy of health. We're not worthy of wealth. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolute sense. And I think that question of, you know, not worthy is what is the impediment, the barrier to breaking that uh, glass ceiling that you talked about? Um, you know, emotions, uh, it, it's very interesting. And the human, as human beings, we have, you know, our inner self is uh, built on five levels. Uh, but, you know, one of my biggest teaching points to anybody that I give t talk to is you cannot control your own circumstances if you cannot control yourself within. So if you can control yourself who you are within, then you have all the power to control the outside. Um, so, I mean, if you look at it that way, then the next question is, you know, controlling within, what are you talking about? We break that down into five different levels and, you know, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and then of course, finally an unknown level that uh, we all possess, but we ignore that uh, fifth level, the unknown level. Having said that, the emotion is in the middle. I mean, I created in the second opinion as a triangle that puts all these levels. The emotions in the middle, there's a reason why it's in the middle. It's in the middle because this is the most powerful level of a human being. Emotions can either break you or make you. So, and, and all what we talk about here, like for example, I'm not worthy, or, or other internal dialogues that lead to other diseases, is stemming from that emotional plane. And if we can control that emotional plane, as it separates the spirit from the mental level, you're able to actually gain access to the spiritual level and, and, and finally to the universal level. So if you talk about emotional intelligence, in fact, controlling the emotional intelligence and working on it really gets you to spiritual intelligence and then universal intelligence. Once you hit universal intelligence, you're all open for success.
Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. So why do you talk so much about meditation? Why is that such a practical answer? The meditation has several benefits, Tom, but in this regard, the first thing that meditation does, it dissociates yourself from your own emotions. And I, I don't mention that in a pathological fashion. Um, you don't have a dissociative disorder, but what it does is it allows you to objectively look at your own emotions and not get caught up in it. That's the first thing meditation does, because that is one of the, the process of meditation is letting go. So we get caught up in emotions because we get caught up in emotions. We are then circling in that emotion and making decisions, emotional decisions, just like having emotional eating. So if you can become very objective about the, your own emotion, then you can make a much better decision as to how to not just handle the emotion, but what kind of decision you are going to make in your life. And that has its tremendous repercussions in moving forward, whether it's in the health or wealth aspect. That makes total sense. So, so you talk about letting go. Okay, let's let's talk about heart disease because this is a this is a big one, and it's it's particularly been raised big because of COVID. Um, we, you know, we the the numbers keep coming back that people with you know heart challenges have major challenges with this with with this COVID-19 so what is what's the emotion what is is that that is the trigger for heart disease the heart disease trigger the internal dialogue is I am not loved enough so these are patients and individuals who feel they are not adequately loved or they lack love in reality they may have people around them and, and they may be loving but it's just within themselves they feel they are not loved. There are other folks who are truly not have the love, but there are folks who are loved by others, but in their mind, they cannot accept it, that they are worthy of loving. So it's at the end of the day, they all, you know, mix us together. But the predominant feeling is I'm not loved enough. So the emotion attached to heart is love. And out of that emotion arises some degree of fear, but fear is not always associated with heart. Uh, but that is that is the uh, internal dialogue. So if you are, so for example, I can give you a personal experience. I'm a cardiologist myself. I don't. I live the life of a cardiologist. I did everything I tell my patients. Um, I ate right. I did yoga. I did acupuncture. Everything, exercise. You call it. I don't smoke. No drinks. Nothing uh, except social alcohol drinking. But at age 44, I had a heart attack myself. I mean, you can look at the uh, you know leading cardiologists and Mr. Cardiologist had a heart attack. That would be the sign for my patients to leave me and go somewhere else because uh, I'm, I, how can you be a cardiologist telling them and doing the same thing you're telling your patients and fail yourself? 
uh, that's what opened my eyes. And I, you know, I went inside myself and looked at uh, and explored what my thought process is. And which is same as what I found out with my transplantations. You know, you're not loved enough. And that is one of the things that I constantly had at the back of my mind and um, had to work on it. But interestingly enough, 50% of the patients who have a heart attack will have another heart attack sooner, uh, within a couple of years. I haven't had a heart attack in 14 years. And the reason for that is I worked on my internal dialogue and made changes. So, you know, it, it pans out to be true, no matter how we look at it. Yeah, and, and I look at this and I'm, so I, I equate this somewhat. For me, it's about approval, right? So I'm, you know, I'm, I call myself an approval whore because um, I've learned, I've learned through a lot of counseling and so forth that approval is a big deal to me, right? Um, words of affirmation, you know, the five love uh, languages, that, that great book. Uh, mine is, uh, you know, words of affirmation. Right, I want that approval. This is the seeking that love, that affirmation, that 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 affirmation that yes, you're loved. And what I find is, is an, as I look back on my financial health, that seeking that approval has constantly caused me financial issues. Okay, that if if you look at when when I look at really wealthy people, okay, you know Bill Gates, Warren Buffett all of these guys, uh, Elon Musk, you never see them saying, I want approval. Not even once. Um, yeah. They're not seeking approval. They don't need approval, okay? Right. They, they, they're not feeling this lack of love. And if, if they were, then guess what? They would have this issue, right? They'd have this issue with money as well as with health. And, and to me, that's, that, that's where that connects is, wow, if, if, we, you know, if we can get past that, then guess what? Now it, it just, like you say, it's letting go. So we're no longer worried about it. We're just doing it. It's just what it is. And you mentioned that, that it's, it, it, you know, it is what it is. There are things we can control, which is ourselves, and things we can't control, with, which is the world. So um, let's, let's, let's go to another one. What, what, what's another emotion that, is, is, that, that might trigger a particular health issue? Um, I would take a kidney, for example, uh, and patients who have, uh, who have required kidney transplantation pass through our uh, institution and our clinic for cardiac clearance, and we had the opportunity to um, observe them. Um, most of the patients who required kidney transplantation had end-stage kidney disease, had this internal dialogue of, uh, you know, I need to be taken care of. They almost, they acted uh, as if they are children. It has nothing to do with them. It, they just, they, you, when you observe them, it, it almost feels like you need to take care of them than them taking care of themselves. So they sort of regressed. Um, that kind of uh, internal dialogue making you regress in personality uh, is what manifested as a predominant personality in patients with kidney disease. Is this the same as like a victim mentality, this, this victimhood? Yes. Yes, there is a victim uh, mentality in there. I mean, I think cancer also has some degree of victim mentality. So if you look at it, um, you know, if you really tease out these different feelings and emotions, there are like lots of gray uh, gradations of these emotions and there is overlap. But uh, what you can see is victim uh, kind of thinking process with, I need to be taken care of childlike 
um, behavior is what predominates. Now, imagine, would you or could you become a successful entrepreneur if you had that kind of, I need to be taken care of mentality? That, that, that would be the biggest no error, uh, Radha. That's, boy, of course, that's what's going through my mind and our listeners is that, you know, if you're a victim, you have no control. And basically, you want other people to take control of your life. I mean, this is, this is why people don't open their, their um, uh, investment statements when they come from their broker right? Uh, I, just you take care of it. Okay. You, you hear athletes say, my, my guy handles that. Okay. My person handles that. Um, and we'll actually have people at WealthAbility, we'll have them come to us and say, look, I, I don't want to deal with this. You just, you, you just handle it. And I'm going, I, well, in my business, I can't. Okay. Because if I'm not working with you, I, I can tell you what to do, but I can't do it. Okay. It's very right. much, uh, from my standpoint, I'm a, a you know, a, a, in a way, a wealth physician, a tax physician, because what I'm telling you is I can diagnose it like you diagnose a, a, a heart issue, and I can tell right. you exactly what you need to do, but unless you're willing to take control and do it, there is nothing I can do. I mean, I can't change your taxes. All I can do is report what you do. I can't change what you do. So, you know, the, I always say that if you want to change your tax, you have to change your facts, but you right. have to change it. I can't do that for you. So if you're feeling that, oh, I need somebody to take care of me, that's, a, a, you know, and I sometimes think of the, the, the champagne socialists, right? And they go, well, we need to take care of these people. No, what we need to do is we need to give them the tools to take care of themselves. Okay, do they right. need proper health care? Absolutely. That's a huge crisis in, in, in our country, especially. Um, do they need that? For sure. At the same time, do they need the education? Do they need to be able to build themselves and take care of themselves? So they go, oh, wait a minute. You know, that, that, you know I could actually do this myself. I, I, perfect example. Um, I was, uh, we were, you know, we were talking earlier and I was saying, you know, my doctor, who you know very well, she comes to my house. Now, my wife and I are um, very much at risk for this, uh, this, uh, uh, the, the COVID. virus and COVID. And so, and, and we would be both, both of us would be very sick. I was in the hospital earlier this year with, um, uh, with the flu and, uh, you know, my wife is an asthmatic. So this is serious stuff to us. I mean, we, we don't go out very much. We always wear masks. We won't go anywhere where everybody else isn't wearing masks. I mean, that's how important this is to us. But here's what we know is that, our doctor, we share a, doc, a primary care physician, comes to our house to give us vitamin infusions, comes to our house to help us, comes to our house. And guess what? Those visits and everything, they're not paid for by insurance. I mean, those are out-of-pocket costs. And so the fact that we can afford that means that we have better health care. One of the scariest things to me about this whole virus has been, what if I have to go to the hospital? We actually, we actually know somebody who got COVID in the hospital. They went in for something else and got COVID in the hospital. I'm going, that is, that is not where I want to be. And right now we're seeing this big increase in cases. We're seeing hospitals starting to get overwhelmed again. And, uh, you know, the great thing for us is, you know, our doctor has been very clear. I'll come. I'll take care of you. You'll, you, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be fine. We won't get you to the hospital. It would have to be a horrible, horrible, you know, result for us to ever get you to the hospital. And I'm going, 
I can do that. We can do that because we have the wealth, the financial capability of doing that. But we've always been told, my, my wife and I, you, you know, we're both entrepreneurs. We both have our own businesses. We both control our own livelihood. And, and to me, the, this idea of giving up your giving up control, and I'm a bit of a control freak, I guess, but the idea of giving up control to somebody else, while I want to let go of all the things that are bothering, uh, you know, that are interfering, all that internal dialogue, I don't want to, I don't want to give somebody else control over my life. Right. No, I completely agree with you. Um, it's interesting you say that because, so, you know, while, you know, patients with kidney disease have, uh, they almost give up control and have everybody else and expect the world to take care of them. And the control has, it's a two-edged sword. So if you looked at it, and then if you live in an environment where you have a persistent sense of lack of control, that actually predisposes to diabetes. Uh, it is an interesting wow. play. And then if you looked at diabetes, diabetes causes kidney disease. So you can see the interplay and, and uh, you know, sort of a cyclical uh, function of these constant emotions that's playing within your, your mind, uh, unless taken care of. Uh, it, it's going to take a lot of your energy, prevent you from becoming successful, and then uh, prevent clarity of thinking. And then if you don't have clarity of thinking, your decision-making process is affected. And then you end up making decisions that are not optimal for you, and then have the seesaw effect of you know, winning, losing, winning, losing instead of having winning, 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 getting and breaking that glass ceiling we're talking about. I want to take a moment to tell you about Norada Real Estate. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate Investments provides you everything you need to invest in some of the best deals around the country. Everything from turnkey rental properties to mortgage financing to property management. Visit their website to learn more and download your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at turnkeyrealestateinvesting.com. That's turnkeyrealestateinvesting.com. Before we wrap up here, one of the... I think great benefits of this pandemic, and I'm a bit of an optimist. I tend to, I mean, I think taxes are a way to build wealth. So I'm, I pretty much see the world through rose covered glasses. Well, I think one of the benefits that I keep hearing from um, people I associate with, particularly entrepreneurs, is that this pandemic's given everybody a time, a chance to reassess themselves, reassess where they are, what, what, what's really important to me. And, and to me, this is a time when we can do exactly what you're talking about. This is something where we can actually take some steps to take back control of our health. And it's, it's not, just, not just losing weight. I mean, I love that Boris Johnson in, in uh, the UK, you know, he got COVID pretty early on. He was pretty sick and he's lost a lot of weight. He looks great. He's, he's, it's really impacted him. And, and I think if we take this opportunity to, to really think about this. So my question for you, Rada, is can you give us, okay, meditation is one thing that we can absolutely do to, to help our being, okay? And I'm, I'm a huge believer. Can, can you give us a couple of other practical things? What can we actually do over the next few weeks and months to make an impact on this, this being and this emotion, um, this emotional intelligence, if you will? 
Yeah. So, um, so great question, Tom. I mean, I think it's easier. It's easier to think in two two ways. Uh, I divide that into two things. You know, you have your physical actions and physical body, and you have your thinking process and your emo mental emotional body, and em mental emotional intelligence. So, what you can do, the things that are easier to do, is one of them is uh, one of the one of the uh, areas that affect our emotional intelligence is our eating habits and food and how we reach out to food when we are in different emotions and different foods taste good. Uh, you are emotionally driven to eat and when you have conflicts. So physical cleanse. So essentially one of the easiest thing to do is to start cleansing yourself. Um, as you said, the pandemic as it's like a tap on the shoulder. It gives you an opportunity for those who survive to relook at what they have been doing and, and you know, create a new chapter. So um, you're talking about a basic detox, right? Just a, just a, I mean, even, even one of these most basic four or five day detox uh, programs that you can pretty much buy at, at Target, right? That you can even do that. I mean, I know you guys do, a, a, you know, much bigger ones, but, um, but even something like that, would it be helpful? I think that would be a great start um, because you have to, you, this is about training yourself. To, to start a new new lifestyle, a new path, and you know, you're changing the facts. As you say, you know, you want facts, you change the facts. You have to change the facts about health, um, and which will in turn change yourself. So yes, small detox to start with, and then progress in that respect um, to uh, longer and longer ones, uh, so that you can actually affect what we call neuroplasticity, that means change in yourself. It takes an average of 18 days to 258 days to change yourself. So different individuals falls in that spectrum at different length of time. That uh, doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it at the first time for 258 days. Um, it can be a cumulative effect. So the first thing is doing a physical cleanse and starting small so that you become a small winner and that reinforces your action rather than initial failure and then you give up and go back to what you were doing. So I always encourage people start small, do something simple and observe how you feel and how you function. Right. If you really like what, how you feel and how you function, go for the next step. Don't stop there. Uh, so that's on the physical side. The second thing you can do is what is called emotional cleanse, which is about handling your emotions and mental acuity and mental thinking process and clarity of thinking. That is where the meditation comes in. That's one area of it. Meditation helps, which is something you can do yourself, 15 to 20 minutes a day. Uh, that's all it takes. I mean, imagine if you, we can always cut down watching TV and then do 20 minutes of meditation. There's time. It's about budgeting time for that. But there are other things you can do, which might involve, you know, paying money. I'm not sure insurance doesn't always cover it. The, the interesting aspect of insurance is if you don't have a disease, medical insurance won't cover the, the treatment. But disease has nothing to do with being health, healthy. So you won't have a disease. You want to be healthy, but insurance won't pay for it. You have to pay it out of your pocket just like you are doing uh, in your life to be at peak potential. So you can go for counseling and uh, processing and other areas of uh, emotional cleansing to let go of all these redundant uh, baggages that is within us. So one last thing that is, uh, is big to me because it it's, it's makes such a big difference in my life, and that's exercise because exercise is free. Okay, yes. you can you can go running, you can go walking, you can you know a, a a bicycle is not very expensive. I mean, there's a lot of inexpensive exercise. What impact does that have? Because I can tell you from a financial standpoint what it does for me. And uh, you know, I'm 
you know, I'm spoiled. I have a 25 meter pool in my backyard. So, and I'm a swimmer, but I find that when I'm swimming, for one thing, it clears my mind. But the other yep. thing is it sharpens my senses so that it's easier for me to see obstacles. It's easier for me to have that emotional intelligence because I can see a lot more clearly. I, I presume that's actually a, a, a real thing, right? But, uh, it is. It is. So exercise, if you exercise for more than 25 minutes in one setting, moderate, moderate exercise, that's been shown to be beneficial in scientific studies. Exercise actually affects both sides that I just mentioned, physical cleanse and emotional cleanse. And how does it do? I mean, physical on the physical side, you have to sweat, your internal organs have to function faster and rapidly and eliminate toxins. So you're actually cleansing, I mean, detoxing your body every day when you exercise, especially aerobic exercise. Um, and then mentally, you know, we secrete, uh, the brain secretes endorphins and um, other, uh, other hormones that are happy hormones. We call it happy hormones. It makes you happier, makes make, make you feel more optimistic and more energetic. And so then your, your thinking process becomes much more clear. So imagine, I can't think of a day, if I don't exercise, I always feel that. Uh, the next day I'm sluggish. But when I say exercise, the next day is like, I'm, I'm going at it. I have more energy, more clarity, more thinking process, and feel lighter. So as you pointed out, you're right on the spot about the benefits of exercise. And it is free, and it is relatively cheap. I just don't know why people, we don't do it all the time. Well, I, I have to admit, you know, I, I grew up um, swimming competitively. I, I love doing that. And I know some people don't love doing it. And I can't imagine that because... I do love the endorphins, I will admit. I fully love the endorphins. I love how it makes me feel. I just, I, I, I just, I just enjoy it. So, you know, I feel very uh, fortunate that, that um, you know, I grew up in a household where everybody exercised, everybody swam. Um, you know, my, all my brothers were swimmers. And so this was a natural thing for us. And I, you know, I grew up playing tennis and you know, golf and, and uh, you know, swimming and running and biking and, and, you know, hiking, all these kinds of things. And I'm going, you know, and of course, we're fortunate, it's you and I, because we live in Arizona. So yeah. <laughs> the weather's always okay. I mean, even when it's hot, five o'clock in the morning, it's still okay to do a run or a swim five o'clock in the morning. So there's always a time to do this. I, I just want to thank you, Rada. Um, Rada, I know how busy you are. Last thing, um, where would we find more information about Second Opinion and what we can do here? The Second Opinion is uh, sold at every, uh, you know, you can find any bookstore that sells books. It's available. Um, you can order it through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, and, you, you know, order it through um, our practice, Ultra Healthy Human. Uh, no matter how you, I mean, you can order it from there. And then uh, finally, uh, my next book is about health, actually. Uh, it's called Survival. Uh, it is uh, it is actually piggybacking on this tap on the shoulder we talked about with the pandemic, and that will be released in January. It's called Survival. That um, that exp that actually gives not just context that you talked about earlier in the show. It also gives you some content and about eight steps how to start this. The last question you just asked me, give me some steps that I can do. It goes into that kind of it, it condenses into eight steps, awesome. and then um, a, a reader can just easily do it without having to reach out to anybody else. That's awesome. Dr. Radha Gopalan, thank you so much for being with us. Please, I, I hope everybody, you know, listen to this, watch it over and over again, because um, having this understanding of how we build our health is 
so applicable to building wealth. And the reality is, is that, yes, there are some, some things that are free, but unless you're building wealth, it is tough to get good health care. Um, not all doctors are alike, <laughs> okay? I know that very well. Um, not all vitamins are alike, are, you know, the same quality. Not, not everything is as good as it is when you have the money to get, you know, the very best. And we notice that the people who have done well, uh, even though they've gotten sick with COVID-19, they've, they've been taken care of, they've, they've got good health care. And, um, and, and a lot of the, the, the poor and, and those people without good health care have not had that benefit. So it's my encouragement to everybody that, you know what, as you, as you learn these things, start, just take a couple of small steps. I'm a huge believer in meditation. I meditate. I'm a huge believer in the exercise. I'm a huge believer in, in what uh, Dr. Kapalan is take, talking about. And I know that when you do these things, you're always going to make way more money and pay way less tax. Thanks. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.